2: Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times
0: faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Coon. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all of football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven like a boss the best lineman on the radio well the only lineman on the radio it's game time game time we're ready the gabe coon show 92.9 fm espn
1: happy friday out there january 26 2024 and welcome in to the gabe coon show i am your host Former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman Gabe Coon on X at G underscore Coon seventy one. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That'd be Connor Dunning on X at
2: C Dunning 929. Connor, what are your weekend plans, brother? Oh, starting off with a movie tonight. Very what, what excited. What movie? What movie? I am seeing American Fiction, which is Jeffrey nice. Wright, Sterling K Brown, both nominated not for Not that Academy Jeffrey Wright.
1: Not, not not our Jeffrey okay. Wright. Also yeah. nominated Spelled for the Best same, Picture. Though. Spelled the Spelled same. Spelled the
2: exact same. Not the E R Y, it's R E Y. Yeah, Yeah. So uh, I'm very excited to be checking that out tonight. So starting that off, um, yeah, man. It's Good beautiful to hear. day outside. I am vibes uh, are high. I'm getting a bed
1: delivered tomorrow. So while the wife is off uh, doing some work, she works. She does some of the aesthetics work with Botox and everything. Now she's transitioning into that. She still has her nursing gig, but I have to uh, facilitate. I have to move a bed tonight. Put it back together upstairs in a different room, in a spare room. Then I have to let the uh, deliverers come in and deliver my bed tomorrow. So that's that's first on the docket for me. At I least think you... my Saturday, and then I'll have a gender reveal party. Oh, oh, very fun, yeah, very fun. I had one of those last night that I went to. How was that? Well, how'd they do it? How'd they do it? It was great. A cake, a cake. Okay, that's simple. It was awesome. That's simple. It the most beautiful. strange one I have ever seen in person, and we—I've seen some strange, strange ones like online. Now. Most strange one I've seen is the guy was really into bone arrow, like he was really into, <laughs> and he had a okay, balloon. Michael, he had a balloon and he missed the first one, but they did have a backup and he nailed the second one, and it was a boy, and it was a boy. But that was that was a weird one to be be there for in person. I just like the little poppers, little confetti poppers, or a cake or something like that. Just be simple with it. And Keep also, it simple, very 21st century thing. Like I've talked about this with Jeff Calkins before. This is gender reveals were not a thing.
2: No. Back no, in the day. No. very And, uh, yeah, so just if you're going to do one, all all power to you. Just don't start, you know, fires in California and stuff. By no, lighting yeah, on don't fireworks. do that, please. Don't do that. But, hey, you you know, with the bed being delivered and everything, at least you got some good sports to watch this weekend. You got NFL playoffs, Tigers, Grizz. It's a good sports weekend.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll be uh, stressed out on Sunday, though, um, watching the Tigers. And the Tigers are right alongside the AFC championship game. It's about as bad as it can get, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, come on. I, I, I almost wish too with the with the schedule makers in the NFL. I wish we would have put the AFC Championship game in the late window. Put it at five thirty. Move the NFC because championship they are concerned about.
2: 2:00. They're super concerned about the time of the Memphis Tigers playing this weekend. I, uh, for my purposes, pur- yes. listen, Connor, we'll give them a call. I'm not Hey, my, we're for an my for my maybe purposes, we, maybe we can give them a call and
1: just say, hey, for Gabe, for my purposes, <laughs> I'm gonna have to be clicking previous channel far too much. You don't have two TVs. You're not well, two TVs I, yet. I, I listen. I usually get out like the laptop as a second TV, but no, I'm Fair not. Enough. I don't have two TVs in my living room. Uh, let's just say the wife was very opposed to that. I tr- <laughs> I've tried it. I've tried it. Uh, not a big fan of it. The laptop's fine. Yeah, the laptop works, and the good old Xfinity Stream app. That's a good one. That's a good one. Ching. Now we have two and a half hours to talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM, ESPN, and yours truly. I'm going to open on some of the Tiger basketball metrics. Um, I have been confused as to why they're placed the way they are in the net and Bart Torvik and Ken Palm. While in the AP poll, they're 19. Uh, most bracketologies, they're either a six or seven seed with those two losses last week. Before that, they were right there in that 4-5 line. Uh, not a big chance to move up. Uh, so when it comes to getting a top seven seed, getting out of that 8-9 game, they don't have a lot of, way, uh, of ways to move up. Uh, maybe the FAU, North Texas games, uh, SMU on the road, those could be quad one opportunities that could – give them a, a boost, but those ones are going to be tough. I'll talk about the, reason, the ways they can actually get a boost because seemingly going forward in conference play with about a third of the season left, there's only ways to move down. But I want to talk through some of these things on the air. And then also when it comes to the reasons that this has been the case, the, the way the Tigers have been playing lately once they got to conference play, there's a lot of things on the table. Yes, team chemistry issues certainly there. Defense. Closing out on the three-point line, certainly there. Uh, Playing hero ball on the offense and defensive end, definitely there. But I I think there's something to be said that I don't know a lot of – I don't know if a lot of people are are here with me, but I, I just think college basketball in general is more chaotic. And maybe, just maybe, and this is just how people react to Memphis basketball, fans react, maybe there's a little bit of over-examining of the last week. But we will talk about that in just a moment. Also, Grizzlies versus Magic returning home tonight. They're three and three since Desmond Bain went out because Vince Williams Jr. has been phenomenal. Gigi Jackson is playing good ball. Uh, Scottie Pippen Jr. his sighting was definitely seen uh, when we when we saw them uh, on the road against Heat. The, the, the Heat um, Jaron Jackson Jr. has been very good every night. Um, although he was not so good against the Heat, going five for twenty one, they still won that game. But we'll see what they look like when they play the Magic tonight. We do have some uh, player votes for the All-Star game that I found very interesting. Grizzlies do not have an All-Star starter. Surprise, surprise. Um, I will tell you the All-Star starters, but there were some strange voting things going on. Have a guy who's, who was ruled out before the year, Stephen Adams, who got player votes. So we'll, we'll go through all of that here in just a moment. We'll have Jeff Coggins at 5 o'clock. As far as guests are concerned, Daily Memphian, a columnist, and Jeff Calkin show from 9 to 11 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. And then at 6 o'clock, before we pass you off to the Grizzlies game, I mentioned two-and-a-half-hour show, um, we're going to get you out to Jessica Benson uh, as the Grizzlies return home versus the Magic at 6.30. Tip will be at 7 o'clock. But at 6 o'clock, Jason Munns, commercial appeals beat reporter for this Memphis basketball team, will join, and we'll get you prepped for that game coming up on Sunday against UAB. Now, I was going through some of the metrics for the Tigers on this season, The good metrics, um, so far, uh, you just sort of look at the AP poll, even after losing two games. Uh, they were as high as number 10 last week. Even after losing those two games in a row, they're still at 19th. That's good. Um, the other good things, they're still uh, avoiding the 8-9 seed, according to most bracketologists. Joe Lenardi just published his brand new bracketology today. He had them as a 7 seed, so they have dropped from a 6 seed to a 7 seed because of those two losses. Um, but still, out of that 8-9 game, Jerry Palm from CBS Sports has him as a seven seed. Then Mike deCourcy has them the highest of sort of the name brand um, bracketologists. He has them as a six seed. Now, getting to the bad metrics, uh, I've been talking about this all year. I think the net is, is flawed in a lot of ways, but there are reasons why they're number 58. In Ken Palm, they're 54. That's their highest of the three main metrics outside of AP poll and everything that we uh, sort of watch throughout the season. And Bart Torvik, they are at 73. They have fallen off the face of the earth on the Bart Torvik metric. Um, But net definitely uh, is the one that everybody pays attention to. It's the NCAA's metric, what they pay attention to a lot as we get to committee time, as we get to Selection Sunday. Um, So I want to focus on that. Do they have six quad two wins? Um, That is, uh, I think, tied for most in the country, yes. They only have the one quad one win. They have two quad one losses. They now have added a quad two and a quad three loss. To that, um, So it's definitely a, a, a struggle right now for them. But when you look at that net and you look at the reasons they are so far down, people will say, oh, well, they had three top 25 wins in a row. They have four top 25 wins on the year. I think that that is a little short-sighted considering what we've seen the teams that were in the top 25 do since then. Um, one, the Tigers have not beaten these inferior opponents by enough points. That, that much is clear. I know UTSA just beat Tulane because the American is going to American. Um, they did that last night, but they played an OT game against UTSA, who's 284th in the net. Um, they lost to South Florida, who is very, very low in the net. Um, they, they have played really close games uh, against SMU, all these other teams, so that doesn't help them. Houston, for years and years and years in the American Athletic Conference, beat the hell out of these teams. So when they took a loss, they got benefit of the doubt in the end of the day. People at the net, the people in the committee would say, oh, yeah, they lost that one game. But look at all these margins of victory against these lesser opponents, the SMUs, um, the Tulanes of the world. They handled business in a big way. The Tigers have not been able to do that. But also, when you look at this resume that I have been talking about is strong, and I still believe it's stronger than most people or most teams that are sort of outside of the what quote-unquote power six. When you look at this resume, Arkansas – is a bad team. They have been awful in SEC play. They're 10-9 right now. That's a team that you beat and you felt good about at the time. Michigan, awful. They're terrible. They have a losing record at this point. We thought when they won that game, oh, damn, that is a good win early in the season in the Bahamas. Then you just keep going down the list. a and falling out of the top 25, middle of the pack in the SEC. Clemson, falling out of the top 25, middle of the pack in the ACC. Virginia, Falling out of the top 25, middle of the pack in the ACC. You just keep going down the list of all these premier wins that that we thought the Tigers had at the time, and they're not the same. And I think when we look at these metrics, we have to view it through that lens. I think if you want these metrics to be boosted up, not a lot of these in-conference opponents are going to help you do that. Outside of SMU, North Texas, and FAU. But... What's going to boost them up, potentially, is Clemson getting back to a semblance of normalcy. Is Virginia getting back to a semblance of normalcy. It's uh, A&M getting back into the top 25 to a semblance of normalcy. That's what this team has to hang on and hope for. And in the meantime, they just have to win, 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 win. Because that margin for error is not just thin. I think with those two losses last week, it's just about vanished. It's just about gone. And, and when I'm saying the margin for error, I'm talking about the margin for error not to make the tournament. I think that that's sort of written in right this second. But it's to get that top seven seed, to get out of that 8-9 game. That's the expectation we have to sort of work off of. So the only way they're going to boost up these metrics and get to where they want to go to get to a higher seed line at this particular point in time is if those teams that they beat when they were top 25 return back to the heights that they were at that time.
2: Yeah, I, I think that you, you nailed it on the head there. It's unfortunately the non-con schedule, even though they did a great job building it, some of those teams just haven't lived up to what you were hoping they were going to be after the Tigers beat them. And you hope that they'll bounce back and jump into the top 25 again because, like you said, college basketball, it's a long season, and it's also an extremely chaotic season. And you and Jeff talked about it yesterday how every single year it seems around this time that there is some quote-unquote drama happening within the Memphis Tigers and Penny Hardaway. I think that this is just kind of across college basketball. It seems like this time of year is some of the most difficult basketball for teams across the country because you have the emotional come down of coming off of non-conference, all those big – like tournament games that you were playing, invitationals, all that stuff. None of that's going on anymore. It's just about the basketball. and It's against conference rivals, people like for the Memphis Tigers. Every single game that they're going to on the road, it's like a Super Bowl for them. People are going to storm the court if they win, things like that. And that's why heading into conference play, we gave Penny Hardaway and the staff so much credit because that non-con did give them a bit of a safety net. But we've always kind of said, you only really get like two games that you can lose in conference because that non-con hasn't been, you know, perfect like we possibly thought it was going to be. Like if Arkansas, Clemson, Texas A&M stayed in the top 25, they were those teams— These two losses wouldn't have crushed you so much, but that margin of error right now is shrinking not just because you've lost two in a row, but unfortunately some of the wins that you had early on on in the season haven't aged well. The good news is, though, you have plenty of time to bounce back as a team, as the Memphis Tigers, but those teams also have a chance to bounce back. So you've got to start rooting kind of for everybody right now other than the Tigers. So it's just college basketball is crazy. But to your point, coming into the season, we were saying this is a sweet 16 Type of team they can make it there. That, I still seed think that feels like the, the fair expectation there. But to do it, you need to stay out of that seven ten game. You want to be four five or six. It's just, you just don't want to fall into that seven eight nine seed range again because it makes it just so much more difficult to get there.
1: Now, um I do want to also mention. Yeah, they've had some decent wins so far this year. They haven't aged particularly well. No, they still them. have very good wins. But, but I do want to point out their losses. Their losses are against four teams that are outside of the top 25 and just generally well outside the top 25. Villanova, who smacked them in that championship game in the Bahamas, is 11-8, not doing that well in the Big East. Ole Miss had a cakewalk of a non-conference schedule. Once they got in conference, they're 3-3 three and three in the SEC. And then you have two losses against South Florida and Tulane, respectively, And those teams are going to be uh, above 90, uh, well into the 100s by the time this is all over with, especially with Tulane um, losing to UTSA last night. They'll be well into the 100s of the net. So their losses in the end of the day are not good. These are not good losses. These aren't losses against top 25 teams. These aren't losses against people that are top 30 in the net. These are bad losses in the end of the day that they have suffered. And that is part of the reason they're being docked in the metrics as well. Now I do want to sort of soften the landing here, at least a tad bit, because with college basketball being as chaotic as it is, I don't know if we should hold against this Tigers team a few bad weeks in the sort of, you know, future conversations of what this team could look like come AAC tournament time, come March. Because we see this constantly. We see teams really struggle in January. These are the dog days of the season, the transition from non-con into conference, the emotional lulls you can go through, uh, the, the, the amount of times you can sort of take things for granted, the amount of true road games you're playing. I, I saw this stat today, and this is about AP Top 10 teams in general. Um, but AP Top 10 teams now this year, and this includes the Tigers' loss. They, they lost two games last week, or one game on the road. But uh, teams, they're 17 and 27 this season on the road against unranked opponents. AP, yeah, you heard me right. AP top 10 teams wow, are 17 and 27, 38.6% win percentage this season on the road against unranked opponents. And that like that number from, uh, from 2018, 2019 to 2022, 23 has gone from 73.3% uh, winning percentage to 59.8%. Winning percentage of top top ten top twenty five teams winning on the road or losing on the road against top twenty five or against unranked teams, I should say. So this this is not out of the realm of what we've seen in the past, um, but it's definitely sped up for everyone around the country. We saw Duke last week lose to a team in Pitt who has a three and five record in the ACC. Uh, We saw last year UConn. In the Big East, as soon as they got into January, they had a string of five or six losses. Obviously, they rebounded, but there was some real struggles. There was some real thoughts about where this team would be by the time they got to March because of the struggles they had in conference early. So this is just generally, this is where I want to soften the boat. This is generally for every team throughout the country where they start to have those bumps, those bruises, uh, where the roller coaster starts to dip down, you get into those valleys. So this is not something that I'm going to press a panic alarm about long-term. Now, when they play UAB on Sunday, if they struggle, if they lose, then we can really start pressing the panic alarm because that margin for error and um, in, in the, the thought process of them being on the bubble is, is there again, a uh, last four-in type team. But until that that happens, until we see something like that happen again – I'm just going to chalk this last week and a half up, two weeks up, to just bumps and bruises as you get into the conference schedule. Now, I don't like the full comparison of UConn and of Duke uh, who had to play Pitt because there's not – those teams, even if they lose to the likes of, you know, Pitt if you're Duke, who's the number 12 team in the country, Duke is, or UConn when they lost to Xavier and St. John's and all these teams at the beginning of the Big East last year, I don't want to sort of make a one-by-one comparison because – those teams still had a chance to boost up their resume with the rest of their conference. Tigers don't have that at their disposal. But I do think there's something to be said about getting into the conference schedule in January.
2: This is where all teams slip up. It's not just the Tigers. Well, and we've seen it happen in years past. Like The 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 thing that gives you some hope as a Tigers fan is, one, the sky is still not falling. Like They've lost two games in a row. But the team and Penny Hardaway seem to have a sense of urgency and you just hope that a fire's been lit under them and they come out and they prove a point. That's what you want to see in their next game. Come out and prove a point. Make it a statement. That's what you need to see in this next game. But in previous Penny Hardaway years, we always have kind of gone through this bit of a lull. We can debate at a later time whether or not, you know, you want that to happen every single year. But the fact of the matter is it is, it does happen every year. But the good news is Penny seems to figure it out, and the team usually plays their best ball heading into March. (laughs) So that is the good news, and you hope that that script just kind of repeats itself. They have a chance to bounce back. They still have those FAU games. You can make up some ground in the net and the metrics with those games. Those are a couple opportunities. But as John Martin would put it, you have to just avoid all the Legos now. You cannot step on another Lego because it could take your foot out.
1: Yes, there's no question about it. So we'll see what happens coming up on Sunday. That UAB team... um, Very meh UAB team. I know they've been good in the past under Andy Kennedy, but when you just look at them, Eric Gaines is at the top. Um, He's the guy that you have to stop, um, and you have to limit his scoring and his ability uh, to facilitate. So limit Eric Gaines. I think they'll have a good opportunity. But that UAB team, um, for people that are worried about perimeter defense and what this team has done and giving up the three ball, they shoot 30% from three. They're not very good. From the three-point line, um, from a rebounding perspective, that's another thing. You know, teams get second chances against this Memphis team. Um, they're they're right there with Memphis, forty-one rebounds per game. They're around the same um, sort of spot. They're in the same spot statistically. So I don't think there should be any issues with matchup coming up on Sunday. But it is a true road game, and that's always going to be tough. And I think it'll be very telling the type of performance we see this team put on. This, Absolutely. With Penny talking about turning up the intensity of practice, uh, focusing on defense, David Jones has said, yeah, this has been a absolute, there's been a massive difference in the intensity of practice on the defensive end. Um, we'll see. We'll have to see. Now, I will say it looks like Jaquan Walton will be ready to play by the time they get to Sunday. So for those people that are worrying about Jaden Hardaway minutes, maybe he'll, he'll probably get less. Um, but the truth of the matter is, the way Penny talked about him yesterday and the, the, the amount of bail, I guess, he, he shot him, the amount of um, support he showed him, it does show that Jaden Hardaway will.
3: When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. subject to credit approval no minimum purchase required minimum monthly payment down payment tax and delivery may be required see store for details
0: how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions
2: may apply. Analysis by Ucliff, speed test, intelligence data, fixed median download speeds, USQ3 2023. Still get hefty minutes off the bench. Yeah, I mean, Jaden is still a good defensive player. He's usually in the right spots. He just hasn't been making his shots this year, so it's made his minutes look worse than they are. And, you know... When you're having a two-game losing streak in tough times, you you usually somebody has to get the blame, and Jaden Hardaway I think got a little bit too much of it. I don't agree with how many minutes he got, but you know he also wasn't the main reason that they lost. It's they had a, they have a lot of they other issues stop. going on. They couldn't get a stop. They they were playing hero ISO ball. You've got to fix those things, and then, then if Jaden if you fix all of those things, and then Jaden Hardaway plays. 20-plus minutes and then you lose, then we can have a real conversation about him being the problem. But, like, right now it's like, nah, man, I think having, you know, more turnovers than assists, losing rebounding bat, like, those things matter way more. Out-of-bounds plays, for the love of God, can we (laughs) we defend a three-point shot shot on an out-of-bounds play? I, I hate to chalk it up
1: to something so abstract that you can't necessarily see. I mean, I can see it. It's palpable to me. Like, I hate to chalk it up to something so simple. But if the Tigers can eliminate the emotional lulls, get back to playing team basketball, try to eliminate or alleviate some of these team chemistry issues, maybe Penny has to do that with the lineups he rolls out, I think that this team can get back to normalcy and where they were in the non-con. Yeah. But we don't know what that's going to look like when everything will click for them. That's, that's the part of it that is a struggle. Because I think the fix is as simple as don't have emotional lapses, bring intensity against every opponent, And then you'll be okay. I hate to make it that simple, but I think it is that simple.
2: Yeah. It's unfortunate. They are the more talented. It's not even close. They're the more talented team, more experienced team. They should take care of business. They're the most talented team in this conference. Yeah, without a doubt. There's no excuse to be losing to South Florida uh,
1: or on the road to Tulane, although they have had struggles against Tulane, even with more talented teams. Um, I think, what, two and four in the last six? Not great. Um, But I, I really think it's as simple as just them bringing their own energy on the road, at home, whatever it is, and I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be all right. Now on to the NBA, we have the All Star Starters announced. Um in the East, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the captain. That's not a surprise there. Then it goes Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Halliburton, Dame Lillard. I'll come back to Dame Lillard in a second. I, I absolutely hate Thumbs down. I hate that. I, I I despise that pick. Um as a starter at least. It should have been an all-star, but I hate it as a I hate it as a starter. I um, mean in the West, you have LeBron James as the captain, then Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, and SGA. I don't really have a problem with the West. I think most people, if you have a problem with the West, you're talking about Anthony Edwards getting in number one in the Western Conference. Right now, the Timberwolves are, and he's been the head of the snake. So I can hear your arguments if you think that uh, Anthony Edwards should have gotten in. I would ask you over who. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. We know that this can be a popularity contest with a fan vote counting for 50% of this whole thing. Now, back to the East and Dame Lillard. This was one of the biggest snubs I've seen as far as All-Star starters are concerned in probably the past five years to ten years. Past five years to a decade. Jalen Brunson, without question, should be in over Dame Lillard. There's just no question in my mind. He's averaging more points Rebounds and assists are very similar. He has less turnovers on the year, and he's more efficient from the field and from the three-point line than Dame Lillard. He's shooting 42% from the three-point line, and he's leading a team that has had struggles in the past and and a team that you know made some trades, that has sort of been in flux for a a good part of the first season. He's led them to a four seed, and he's been their leading scorer, leading facilitator. He's been phenomenal. Now, I know some people have, have gone out, and said that, you know, Jalen Brunson is your number one. Yeah, he's too small, whatever. But when it comes to what he's done on the court, what he has been able to put out, he's been better than Dame Lillard, and he has lifted up that Knicks team in a massive way. I would make the argument that he's more valuable to that Knicks team than Dame Lillard is to that Bucks team. Without and I don't a doubt. think there's even a, a debate no question about it. So I am just very I'm, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed with that decision. Now, what it came down to, I think the player vote was actually tied between Dame Lillard and Jalen Brunson. But Dame Lillard got third. He was third in fan voting, and Jalen Brunson was fifth in fan voting among guards in the Eastern Conference, and that's why Dame Lillard got the nod over. It was popularity in the end of the day. But Jalen Brunson is an all-star starter to me, and it should have ended that way.
2: Yeah, you know, I'd— he 100% should be the all-star starter, and I think that there could be a real conversation about if Dame should even be an all-star this year. Yeah, He's having a, the worst career, the worst season of his career, one of the worst seasons of his career. He's had a dip on the offensive end. He's shooting sub. I mean, what is he shooting from three right now? It's, from three, it's he's
1: at about 35%.
2: 35% from three, 25 points. I mean, you could make an argument, I think, for Donovan Mitchell to be in over him. I think you could make an argument for Tyrese Maxey to be in over him. I don't know. It's just he shouldn't be a starter this year. It should absolutely be Jalen Brunson. He is one of the most important players to a team in the NBA. And you know what's strange to me about the entire
1: Jalen Brunson conversation? He's playing in the premier market in the NBA outside of L.A. and the Lakers. And yet it feels like he is severely underrated, underappreciated, and underwatched feels like yeah, people are not paying attention saying. to what he is doing. What he does every single night for that team, one, it is measured by the statistics, but as a facilitator, his lack of turnovers, his ability to, as a short player, be crafty as hell uh, around the rim to get his shots up, like that is just not noticed as, as much as it should be. And it really bothers me. It really bothers me. And I understand that this comes down to popularity contests with the fan vote. But I, I just I wish that cooler heads would prevail in this situation. Without it a should doubt. not be that way.
2: Without a doubt. It's you know, the New York Knicks are one of the best stories in the NBA this year, to be quite honest. And with the addition of OG and Anubi, they are just rolling right now. Julius Randle looks like his old self. They are a ton of fun, but almost all of the credit for that team needs to go towards Jalen Brunson. He is their leader. He's one of the best dogs in the NBA. In crunch time, he can get you a bucket whenever he wants to. His pacing is remarkable. I don't know. I just I feel like he should absolutely be the starter. Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton should be in, too. But then I think there's a real conversation about, should Dame even be in with Donovan Mitchell sitting there, Tyrese Maxey sitting there, Trey Young sitting there? I don't think Trey should be in this year. But I understand why Dame's in. I'm not going to be upset about it. But when you go and you look at the numbers compared to the others, Sometimes – he got in on his name this year, and it's okay to say that.
1: Jalen Brunson is 47% from the field and 42% from three while dishing out six assists with limited turnovers. He has four rebounds a game, and he's, what, you know, six foot, maybe less than 5'11", something like that. He's very short. Like (laughs) – I understand what people think about him and his long-term viability as the number one option on a playoff team, on a championship contending team in New York, but
2: that should not be the discussion around him, him being left off the all-star starter list. I've always found that con- – I don't understand why that's a conversation with Jalen Brunson it, because that's not how NBA teams are built now. It's not like you have one guy and you're like, go win. It, it, it doesn't uh, – that doesn't make any sense. They're going to have other pieces around him. Jalen Brunson's a great piece to build around. I think he could be a number one guy on a contending team. If well, he's, he's showing that he can be. He's yeah, literally – he's it's, absolutely – he contending. won a playoff 20, series last year. They're 28-17. They're the best they've been since the 90s. Like, they're doing great. It, I, the conversation around him is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, by the way, people – Everybody keeps saying, well, short players have never won. Short players have never won. I know it was a long time, but like Isaiah Thomas, he yeah. was the number one option. They won the bad boys' Pistons. That was They did, they did well.
1: Yeah. It's silly. It is, it is very, very silly. Now, as far as the Grizzlies are concerned, um, I don't think they're going to have an all-star this year. They're not good enough. Certainly don't have an all-star starter because John Morant is uh, hurt for the rest of the year. But they did have some votes from players, um, and this is kind of interesting. Desmond Bain got 22. Jaron Jackson got 22. Fair John Morant, even though he's out for the year, got 11. Fair. Santi Aldama actually matched John Morant's number with 11 player votes. Uh, Xavier Tillman got six player votes for the All-Star Game. Here's another one that's interesting. Bismack Biyombo, who is not on the team anymore, got three. Steven Adams, who is out for the year, got seven. And then some of these names that got votes, uh, you know, Marcus Smart's been hurt, but he got one vote. But the other players that got one player vote for the All Star game, and probably from somebody within their locker room. Like, let's be honest, John
2: Conchar, hell yeah,
1: Zaire Williams got a vote, Vince Williams Jr., hell yeah, David Roddy and Brandon Clark, who has not played any basketball since last year when he got hurt in Denver. I don't, I don't understand how this vote. I mean. Even the player vote's not taken that seriously. Didn't it?
2: the NASA's get like three votes?
1: Yeah, he got three votes. Yeah. <laughs> the player vote's not even taken seriously. No, is not it? at all. It's 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 a struggle out here. That's that's wild though, but but Stephen Adams being out for the year, announced out for the year, still got seven votes. He should get M V P votes. Look at the record. <laughs> that's not, hey, I don't disagree with your sentiment. I don't disagree with your sentiment there. Um but We'll see the rest of the All Stars coming up here soon. I don't expect I, you. You're probably with me with the fan vote. Jaron's not, not going to get in. No. Des is not going to get in. No,
2: and it's 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 not because they aren't deserving. They are no, both yes. deserving of it. It's, it's just, just you're the on West a bad is team. absolutely stacked. You're on a bad. Yeah, you're team on a bad team. The and 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 West is stacked. Yes, correct, correct. It's that simple.
1: But Desmond Bain is in the top ten in, in fan voting. Yes, so that that
2: among among. I think the hope the is next year if the Grizzlies bounce Western back numbers. healthy and they you know have a normal team for the whole year. By this time next year, if they have a good record, Bain might be able to be in the conversation. And with
1: that more. conversation we had yesterday about fun you're having, and I I didn't mean to pit you know Tigers versus. Grizzlies, I don't think you did. But with the fun that we're having with these young players and the, ve- the development we're seeing. Vince Williams Jr. already moved over to a standard contract. G.G. Jackson, they're going to have to make a decision by the end of the year. I'd imagine they move him to a standard contract. I don't know. I, I look at 24, 25 with all these guys healthy, and obviously you're banking on the fact that Stephen Adams or Brandon Clark or both are going to be healthy and doing the same things that they did before injury. You look forward to what that roster could look like. It's fun. It's the and defense it's is very good. The defense is good. I still think they need to find uh, more three-point shooting. They need to run a more modern-day offense, work on that half-court offense, improve that. But with the development we've seen from a lot of these players, I look at it and smile. I think you're the same way.
2: Yeah, the 10-man rotation, you know, a lot of people have been talking about it on on Twitter the last few days because Vince and Gigi have been so exciting. It has a lot of potential for next year, and it's interesting because other NBA writers and fan bases are kind of starting to notice that all of a sudden the Grizzlies have 17 wins. They've creeped up the standings just a little bit. And it's admirable because when you look at the teams that are around them, I think the stat came out yesterday that the Grizzlies are the most injured team in the NBA by, I think, 30 games. Like, there's a 30-game gap between the Grizzlies and second place. And for them to have a better better record than teams that have been healthy this year, when you look at, like, hey, Golden State, what's going on with you? It gives you some hope. It really does give you some like, hope because they have found pieces that make – I think that it's because they have found the pieces this year that make sense with the roster next year when it's fully healthy. And it's just you kind of just drop in those pieces. And you don't have to – like we said, you don't have to panic as much about the moves. You don't have to go find a wing player right now at the deadline to be ready for next year because Vince and Gigi, they can help you at that depth there. Luke Kennard definitely looks like himself again. I think the big thing with Luke – His playmaking the last few games, the last five games, has been really exciting, and that gives you hope for what he could be next year. So, like, the Grizzlies' wing position problem is much less than it was. To me, I think the focus should probably be trying to go get some more big man depth. But, yeah, the 10-man rotation is going to be good next year. It's going to be real good.
1: A theoretical top eight for this team right now, going into next year. Depending on what moves they make, you never know who's, who could be Even with up the Al, there and made yeah. it as a, use it as a trade piece. Yes. But John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Marcus Smart, Steven Adams as your top five. Mm-hmm. Then off the bench, Luke Kennard, Santi Aldama, and Vince Williams Jr. I feel pretty damn good about what you have. Off that bench.
2: And then Gigi and then whatever depth piece they go and get, the consolidation move. And
1: then also, like if you're worried about John Morant being off the floor and a secondary ball handler, you can move your rotations around. Will be around. Uh maybe. you but you could you could deal with your rotations, move your rotations around to help Marcus Smart, help facilitate Marcus Smart playing with that second unit a whole lot more. And we've already talked about Vince Williams Jr. potentially fitting alongside uh, maybe better than Marcus Smart going into the future. We're gonna have to obviously see that. Marcus Smart will get the first cracks. But if that doesn't work out, Vince Williams jr. in there Marcus Smart as a pseudo six man the pieces, I like the top eight the pieces they have put together of their top eight is good, but this is all assuming again good health, right. which we have seen does not go their way has no. not gone their way this if year
2: if this happens next year, it should we're just the curse franchise <laughs> there's no way I mean knock on all of the wood around me right now it's just if if they have injuries like this next season, I don't even know what to say, yeah. We'll just be crying on air every day. <laughs> just here, just welcome to the cave
1: we'll, we'll be talking about what could have been the entire year, and that's not—that's never fun.
2: It'd be like the Disney Plus series "What If?" We'll just do "What If?" Memphis Grizzlies.
1: Yeah. Now we need to go ahead and grab a break. We'll be back in just a second. Stick around. Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. It's a Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Something I neglected to mention in my all-star discussion. Mentioned the starters, mentioned Jalen Brunson being snubbed in the East. LeBron James broke a record. Tell me if you've heard that before. All-time scoring record holder. We get that. He broke another record. He passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most all-time all-star selections. He's been in 20 times, and he's a 20-time all-star starter. Only did not get in his rookie year, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. He did not get in his rookie year. No. But he's a 20-time all-star, 20-time all-star starter. All right, listen, I, I know people get tired of hearing this, but enjoy it while you can. Just enjoy this guy. I know that some people can get annoyed with what he says and how he conducts himself and a little bit of corniness, but at the same time, him as a player, the accolades he has collected over the years, I will go out and say we'll never see another one like him. And it still feels like he's got so much in the tank. This guy's still averaging, what, 26 points per game this year? It's nuts. It's nuts, but shout out to LeBron James, 20 all-Star selections at his most all-time in NBA history. Now, we have done a lot of discussion. we've had a lot of discussion around the firing of Adrian Griffin at 30 and 13 for the Bucks and uh, the hiring of Doc Rivers. And you know, the question becomes. With that is, one, Doc Rivers, how long is he going to be able to live off that one 2008 championship with a super team, with a big three of Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce, and Rajon Rondo as a nice kicker? How long is he going to live off of that? I don't know. But he got the job, and the question now turns to, what are they going to be able to accomplish? We know that Doc Rivers, even with uh, the amount of all-stars he's been able to coach between the Clippers and the 76ers and everything else... um, He's not been able to get through in the playoffs. He's not been able to get his teams over the top. And a lot of people are going to talk about that and discuss it in that sort of realm and, you know, sort of count out the bucks before they ultimately get there because he's not much of an adjuster in game when you get to the playoffs and he tends to struggle with those types of things. Now something happened today when it comes to hiring assistant coaches for Doc Rivers that did give me a little bit more hope for improving upon what they need to improve upon the bucks last year with drew holiday and everybody in the fold before they made the trade for Damian Lillard were they were fourth in defensive efficiency that number has dropped all the way to 22nd this year so it's very clear what they need to improve upon at least be a passable defense don't be a bottom half defense get yourself to that 15 mark or even higher as far as those defensive efficiency numbers are concerned, because you have the offense built in with Giannis and Dame at the top. But what Doc Rivers and that Bucks organization did today gives me some hope. Not only do I think Doc Rivers – I think Doc Rivers is a solid defensive coach. But I also think the hire he made today, a former Memphis Grizzlies head coach of Dave Yeager, I think that certainly helps the thought process behind them improving what they need to improve, and that's the defense. Um, you definitely brought this to my attention today. I think Dave Yeager is a massive help and that is a good staff. Uh, if your top two are Doc Rivers and Dave Yeager with the playoff experience they have, with the championship level experience they have, with the defensive experience they have, I certainly think this Bucks team is, is fully capable of winning a championship this year.
2: Yeah, you know, they'll they'll be in the mix for sure. I still think that there are a few teams in the East, most notably the Boston Celtics and the 76ers that are still ahead of them, but I would put them pretty comfortably at third, and you could even argue that the Sixers still need to make a move. They, I know that Tobias Harris has been talked about getting moved possibly. D'Anthony Melton has been discussed about getting moved possibly because they want to get a true number 3 guy in there for Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. The Bucks. If they figure out the defense, they're going to be very, very difficult to beat. The thing with Doc Rivers is he's going to come in and immediately he's going to help the egos in this locker room get, you know, he's going to figure it out. That is what Doc Rivers does best. He is a coach that can come in and coach your stars and keep them happy, usually until about around the playoffs. But in the playoffs, we have seen in the past, he does have difficulty. With schemes and adjusting on the fly. That is bitten him in the butt. We have the record. We don't have to go through all the Game 7 losses. Old Man Winter here.
0: If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here?
4: Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived.
0: Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales event, where you Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medella, is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobilecom slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
2: Is the series win, you know, when he was leading Even the when he was playing had. against, even when he
1: had that Celtics team that won a championship, his first two rounds he went seven games and didn't win a game on the road.
2: Yeah. Like, the, it's
1: written there. We it's, know we know what Doc Rivers we know is in the playoff But
2: having a guy like Dave Yeager there who is going to really lead the defensive scheming I think is going to be a big deal for the Bucks. they just need guys like Pat Connaughton Damian Lillard Marshawn Beauchamp those guys have got to step up on the perimeter and commit to defending Chris Middleton's doing the best he can right now but he is not the Chris Middleton of old he's having a pretty good season but he is going downhill you can't just rely on Giannis and Brooke Lopez to be your defense you have got to get help on the perimeter and if those guys can help out at any point it's going to make them better they're 30 and 13 they're going to be in the mix i think it's a good hire you know i think that the way it happened is a bit messy and you know you could it's just it's 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 messy but at the end of the day, the decision was sound. The logic was sound. The team did not want Adrian Griffin. It was a mistake to to hire him. They should have hired Nick Nurse. He was sitting yes, right there. Right. It should have been Nick Nurse. And you made the change, and hopefully you can get this team back into being a true contender because right now it just feels like they're just a, a tier below. It feels like they're just a tier below that. Now, we talked about earlier Damian Lillard's offensive struggles this year and how he's having one of a— you know he's having a dip one of the worst years of his career while still being all-star level you know type of play some of that may have been because of Adrian Griffin just kind of rolling the ball out there, and he wasn't running pick-and-rolls with them because when the trade got made, everybody was like, oh, my God, the two-man Damian game. Lillard, oh my two-man gosh. game, is yes. going to be nuts. They were only running like 10 pick-and-rolls per game with Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So if Doc goes in there and Jaeger goes in there and just says, pick-and-roll, 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 <laughs> yes. all of a sudden we might see Damian Lillard be back to the old Damian Lillard. And he saved them in a couple games this year. They, he probably won them three or four games, I think, at the end. So... Their defense is all that they really need to fix. The offense is still humming. They've got to fix the defense, though. And Dave Yeager and Doc Rivers, good place to start.
1: And I'll say this. I never disagreed with the hiring of Doc Rivers. The only thing I disagree right. with is how they got there. Right. You This offseason, everything seemed to be on the table. They wanted Adrian Griffin at the time. But that after 43 games, if that went south, you clearly made the wrong decision. And uh, you didn't really look into the future. You didn't really see what could potentially happen. With all the things that you surrounded Adrian Griffin with, you tried to play the same way, and that's just not what that team's built to do. You know, they had to transition uh, to a more offensive based scheme, and they didn't quite make that transition as as soundly as they could. Although it was pretty sound, it was they were thirty and thirteen when
2: he got. Yeah, out. well, the rumor, the rumors that have come out from the firing of Adrian Griffin was that in the huddle, Giannis was running most of it. But usually Adrian Griffin would look at it. It's kind of the same problem that, that Missoula had last year in the playoffs. Like Griffin was looking at his assistants. They would tell him what to, what to do, and then he was relaying it to the team. And at some point, the players are like, why are you here if you're just relaying the information that the assistant coaches are doing? I understand why he ended up losing the locker room. I'm curious if there is a move to be made for the Bucks because it does feel like they need some defensive help. And today, I don't know if you saw, it's just a name that popped into my head, Davion Mitchell for the Kings, mm-hmm. really good defensive yep. point guard is on the market and they have a couple guys that they could be like maybe a little campaign pack <sighs> on. Let's be honest, let's be honest, though. Help. they
1: don't have much to give do the way don't, of draft assets and, assets and player.
2: Yeah, but I don't I don't know what is Davion Mitchell going to is he going to net a ton of Not assets? Really. So no. maybe they can make, maybe make a call to the Kings and say, "Hey, we need some help on the perimeter." That's what I was going to ask. ask?
1: Is there that because I think they need that move to find another perimeter defender? Then I can really solidly put them in the championship or bust. Right, they're going to win a championship category, even though I think the Celtics are unbelievable this year. Although if... Chris Stapps Porzingis had a little injury last night, he seems we'll to be see. okay though. We'll see what yeah. we'll see what happens there. But they need that extra perimeter defender. There was some talks about them getting involved in a DeJounte Murray conversation. They don't have enough. No, no way. They will get DeJounte Murray, that seems like the Lakers have their name written all over that sweepstakes. Um, but it, something within the margins is really all they need. They don't need a superstar. They don't need a star. They just need someone to come in who can knock down an open shot when he's, when he's asked to and play perimeter defense.
2: They need a Brooklyn net.
1: Yes, it (laughs) kind of sounds like where we're at. One of those wings would do a a good service for them. Right. But the Nets have to decide they want to offload some of those guys, which I hope they do, right? Please. I hope they do. Please. Because that is the one team in the NBA that I look at, and I'm just like, there's no rhyme or reason why this team's still together in its current state.
2: Just have a bunch of the same player on the wing. It's just a matter of time until Bridges asks out. It's just a matter of time. Yes.
1: He doesn't seem – I mean, he seems fine now as the number one option. But as you get down this road of continuing to lose and continuing to play away games when you're in your home arena, that can get tiring. That can get very tiring. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, I did mention, I think, last week, when we talked about the coaching carousel in the NFL, the Rooney Rule interviews. Um, David Shaw interviewed with three different franchises this year, even though they had no intention of ultimately bringing him in, in as a coach. Brian Johnson who has been fired as the OC of the Eagles, was brought in as a a Rooney Rule interview for a lot of these organizations. So the Rooney Rule interviews, I thought were pretty shameless this year. I still stand by that, and I still think they're bad. But I think two things can be true at the same time. When we look at the carousel and we look at who's been hired, I think it's encouraging for the NFL, the hiring process and what it has led to this year. So far, two first-time, black coaches Antonio Pierce and Gerard Mayo they definitely lead their locker room they have a lot of guys on their side they got the jobs first time jobs that is a good sign for football guys to get those jobs out of the gate now also you had Raheem Morris who has been a pre- previously was with the bucks he was the rams dc for the past couple of years he got a job and then Dave Canales of Mexican ancestry he's the fifth coach of Mexican ancestry to uh, be a head coach in the NFL. That's his first job as well. I think Raheem Morris, though, is kind of the story for me when it comes to the Rooney Rule because we've seen in the past there's been a lot of white coaches who have really struggled in their previous stops that have still gotten retread opportunities. They've gotten their second opportunities. And I I point to Josh McDaniels as the main one. He was horrible when he was with – the Denver Broncos. He was the only guy in the NFL who thought Tim Tebow should be a first round pick. He made that pick and completely derailed that franchise until Peyton Manning and everything came along and they got new uh leadership. So I want to point him out as the the example, although there are plenty of examples of white coaches getting second opportunities. But there's a lot of coaches in the past, black coaches, that have had opportunities that have gone relatively well but have never gotten their second chance. I point at Marvin Lewis when he was with the Bengals for all those years, had them in the playoffs with Andy Dalton, but never got a second opportunity, just got these stupid interviews that were never going to land him a job. Jim Caldwell with the Lions when he had Matt Stafford and they were, uh, at least in the playoffs, very competitive. It ended badly. He never got a second opportunity. Raheem Morris, being with the Bucks, his last year was 4-12 with the Bucks to get a retread opportunity this time around and get hired by the Falcons, I think that says more than even the first-time hires. Because we have seen multiple times in the past, white coaches will get their second opportunity way quicker than black coaches. And way more often than
2: black Yeah, coaches. without a doubt. I mean, we just look across the NFL, like you said, you gave an example. Even like a guy like Frank Reich, it's like, how many times are we going to do this? Like, <laughs> It's just, you know, so like you said... There is still absolutely an issue with the Rooney rule and how it is being used by some NFL teams. Just go look at the David Shaw interviews. Like just those it's are ridiculous. those are quite shameless and ridiculous. But it is encouraging. It is encouraging and it is good news to see, you know, that many coaches get the jobs.
1: Yeah. But four coaches who are minorities have gotten jobs. Three of them being first time coaches. I, I really I really enjoy. I think that two things can be true at the same time though. This does not mean that I'm going to be off of uh, NFL franchises next for the the shameless (laughs) Rooney interviews, Rooney rule interviews they do. But the fact that in four situations, they ended up going with a minority candidate, I think that is a huge step in the correct direction, and I think it's very encouraging. Now we need to go ahead and grab a break and get to hour number two. Coming up next, Jeff Calkins will join the show. We'll talk Tigers. We'll talk Grizzlies. We'll talk Championship Sunday. That's all next, 92.9 FM ESPN.